Amen, amen. Well, I hope you guys had a great uh, and amazing Thanksgiving. I think I brought back uh, 10 pounds or so from Salem, so can, can we get a wider shot on the camera? Jeez Louise. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think some of us have some tighter pants, you know, maybe had them in the dryer for too long. It doesn't take uh, Sherlock Holmes to come to that conclusion, but uh, what was your favorite thing that you ate this week? What was your favorite thing? Turkey, sweet potatoes. Gravy, all right, amen, preach it. Cranberry pie? Marionberry pie, okay. Peach pie, pumpkin pie, ham, eggnog, eggnog pie, amaretto cream. That's like too much work, just drink eggnog, yeah. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, I think my favorite thing is like the turkey sandwiches the next day, right, yeah? where we take the Hawaiian rolls and you cut them in half and yeah, I mean, we bought, I don't know, 2,000 Hawaiian rolls, I think, for 20 people. So it was just barely enough. We had a little bit of leftovers, right? Make a turkey. I love pistachio salad. Anybody else? Pistachio salad? Randy's like, eh, yeah, me. Uh, it's the green fluffy stuff, if you didn't know, has like, you know, uh, Pistachio pudding mix, yes. It's not, like, there's very little actual, like, pistachios in there. It just comes from pistachio pudding mix. That's one of my favorite things. It's always fluffy. It's always delightful. Uh, I love it when you get to, like, eat dessert with your dinner. Like, that's always, like, for some reason we do that on the holidays, right? Like, I don't normally eat this with dinner, but it's, it'll, it finds its way in there. So, yeah, it looks like we have a lot of people that are, are still at their Thanksgiving meals, and so hopefully you guys are, are watching from home. Uh, I got a couple of texts this morning from people say, hey, we're excited to watch you from home. So some people are under the weather. We've had this cough that's been going around, and so uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm still excited that the people that are, are here, uh, please, if, if I don't know you, please uh, introduce yourself. I'd love to get to meet you. My name's Brian, if you didn't know that already, uh, but we're going to Come back to reality, really, from this strange week where we give thanks by overeating and doing nothing. Uh, we're going to get ready for, for Christmas. Yay! Yeah. Aren't you guys excited? It's Christmas time! There's Christmas carols. No? Nobody? Really? I mean, just... Well, I mean, it's, it's after Thanksgiving, so it's Christmas time. I didn't even wait for Thanksgiving to start playing Christmas music in my car. Like, why are we waiting? Come on, it's Christmas time. So we're going to take a, we're going to begin this, uh, this, this month by, in November, we're going to start our journey to the manger. So exciting. And uh, this journey is going to be easier for some than others. Uh, but we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve, which is on a Saturday night. It's going to be at 6 p.m. And then the following day, which is a Sunday, Christmas Day, we will have a service at 10 a.m., which is our normal service time. So please uh, invite your friends. We're going we're gonna to create some invites for you to give out. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be great. We are excited. Uh, we had a, a team of people that decorated uh, for Christmas over the weekend. And so I want to give you guys a round of applause. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Looks great. Uh, I was still traveling that day or else I would have helped. But there you go. So now you know it's in your bulletin. We said it, Christmas Eve service, 6 p.m., uh, then Christmas Day, the normal 10 a.m. Uh, service. Okay, so we're going to start in the Gospel 
of Luke. And so there are, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke gives us the most really uh, detailed account of the journey to the manger. So we're going to start there. If you're new to church, if you're new to the Bible, uh, you can see like I put my, my stopper here. It's about 85, 90% of the way through your Bible. The New Testament is uh, much smaller comparatively to the Old Testament. And so that's where the gospel of Luke is. We're going to be in chapter one. Again, if you had your bulletin that was given out, we had uh, all of the, the verses are going to be in there. But it's a very long passage, so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about it. Uh, don't you guys like these fun graphics, these Christmas graphics? Yeah. So fun. It gets me ready for Christmas. I'm excited. I don't care whether you're excited or not. I'm going to get started on Christmas. We're going to get going. No more Grinches this year. Just a bunch of no more Scrooges, right? We're going we're gonna to get right into the happiness of Christmas. Okay, this is the Christmas story of the journey to the manger. So this is week one of five weeks. So exciting, I know. Okay, this is it. Uh, Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Valid question. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Uh, therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Okay, uh, so now the stage is set. Uh, we all know the cast and characters, and, and, and we're pretty sure, if you've heard this story, we're pretty sure what's going to happen next. Uh, we're, we're pretty excited. Uh, but right out of the gate, we're introduced to this uh, angel named Gabriel. Gabriel, we have no idea what Gabriel looked like. But let's, let's ask the question, what do we know about angels? Uh, so uh, I, I want get, to get started by just clearing all the controversy and, and misunderstanding. Uh, are they the souls of people who have died and gone to heaven? No. Right? We say stuff like when, you know, someone that we love dearly, they pass away. It's like, oh, heaven has gained another angel. Uh, it's, it's just not true, uh, and, and you can believe that if you'd like to, but biblically, angels are, are, are beings that are created by God. They have a divine purpose, they reside in heaven, and they're created to accomplish the will of God. So God sends his messenger angel Gabriel to the city of Nazareth, which is in the region of Galilee. So, right, so it's, it's, he's telling us the story. This is what happens. There's Gabriel. He's an angel. He's sent to this city of Nazareth. It's in this uh, you know, area called uh, uh, Galilee. What's interesting is, is that Nazareth would be one of the towns 
would not be one of the towns that people would expect the story to begin with. Kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, right. So uh, I'm trying to be kind here. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, if he started with Selma, right, or a place like that, there's so, there's so small amount of people there. There's, there's not a lot happening there. It's not like there's bustling business. There aren't a whole lot of people during the Christmas time that are driving out to Selma to try to make things happen. We're not, no one, like when someone says, hey, I, I live in Selma, will you come, like, you want to come by this thing? It's like, yeah, maybe. Uh, can you meet me halfway, right? It's kind of, it's, it's out of the way. It's not really one of those towns that you think about when you say, hey, this is where I want our story to begin. And so when the, the story starts this way, I'm sure the readers were like, Nazareth? Why, why that place? And I love, and I love baseball. I love, I love the stories of, of baseball players and their humble beginnings. Uh, but a story of a great baseball player uh, you know, usually starts with, well, he grew up minutes away from the stadium, right? He, he just heard the baseball sounds. He, he learned to love the game before he could walk, right? And that, and that makes sense. And, and it, it always surprises us when we hear stuff like, no one in their family played any sports because they were poor farmers in Iowa. And we're like, okay, so now that story's intriguing because, okay, so no one played sports. He was a poor farmer in Iowa. So how did he get to the biggest stage on earth? How did he get here? And so that, that's kind of how it's starting. It's, uh, well, there is this virgin in this small town called Nazareth. And you go, oh, well, that would kind of grab my attention because what that means is that maybe even though that I have started my life in a place that not a lot of people would say, this is a great place for a, a great story to start, well, if Jesus' story started in a place like that, then maybe, maybe mine can too. Not saying that we're ever going to be as great as Jesus. Obviously, we aren't. But it's, it's, it's cool because it helps us believe and know that great things happen in places that other people would deem not so great. This is the first century. This is during the, the, the tenuous reign of, of Rome. And if we were going to write a story that we thought would have the greatest impact on our community, I'm sure that we would, that we, if we were going to write this story, Jesus would have been born in a coliseum, maybe in the, in the middle of one of the gladiator fights, right? We go, hey, stop the fights. It's time for Jesus to come in and be born, right? It's like, that's how we would write that story because we would want everyone to know. We wouldn't have his mom grow up in this tiny little podunk town out in the middle of nowhere, Right? Maybe we would say, well, she should arrive on a helicopter so the whole birth would be filmed and, and everyone would shout at his arrival into the world. But what it tells us is that uh, God keeps reiterating that, this, this truth in his stories. He doesn't care about worldly status. God does not care about worldly status. He values righteousness, steadfastness, and submission to his values. Not how much influence or wealth that you have accumulated. No, God values righteousness. So God, the king of the universe, sends an angel to the podunk town of Nazareth to find a woman who will give birth to the Son of God. We don't know a whole lot about the town, but uh, as John uh, alluded to, uh, when Philip, later on, and this is in the Gospel of John, he's trying to tell his brother about the Messiah, 
It's like, I think the Messiah is here. I think this is him, and he comes from Nazareth. Well, he, uh, Nathaniel asks the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You ever been to one of those places? You live there? You live there. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. Yeah, uh, where people, you know, people ask, can anything, really? You came from there? I did not know that anything good came from there. Uh, some people might say like, like Wolf Creek. That's, that's a place that people might look down upon. Can anything good come from Wolf Creek? But surely that is a place where just bad decisions are made. That's Nazareth. That's where the story starts. That's where the story begins. Nobody goes there unless you live there. That's the sort of place that, that people can't wait to leave. And yet Jesus' prologue in this story starts there, in Nazareth. And why is Gabriel sent to Nazareth? In verse 27, it says, to a, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Mary, she's a virgin. She's engaged, betrothed to Joseph, who comes from the house of David. Being a virgin is very important to the story. It's very important to the story, not just for purity's sake, but for the sake of proving that only God could have made this happen. Here's why it's important in context, why it says that she was engaged uh, to Joseph. We need to know uh, a Jewish betrothal in first century uh, AD, it lasted a year. It lasted a year. And it was expected for the women to stay pure, to stay uh, untouched by a man for that entire year. And if she didn't, her punishment was death. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 22. It says, If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out of the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Now, some of you heard getting stoned to death. And I know it's Southern Oregon, but that's not what it means, okay? Uh, right? They weren't listening to the Grateful Dead in their back of their Volkswagen. Uh, no, this is, it was, it, they would literally take the women out and, and the man who, who committed this act, and they would stone them to death. So uh, Mary, she's a virgin betrothed to Joseph, who is lineage of the king David. Uh, so just a quick recap. If you don't know who King David is, uh, he, he was a major, a major player uh, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is, of course, the testament that comes before the New Testament, okay? Uh, you, guys are, you guys are very quick, very smart. Uh, David is, he's the author of many Psalms. And so if you open up your Bible to the middle, if you just, hey, I'm gonna open up to the middle, uh, you come to the book of Psalms, which are a bunch of songs. And a lot of those songs were written by King David. Now his, his reign was about a thousand years before Jesus. So 3,000 years uh, before now. And we still talk about him because he was very Important, and every Jewish person knew and loved David because of his mighty works. He did a lot of really cool stuff. That's a good picture of him from when he was younger, of course. Um, I tried to find, uh, like, sculptures of King David, but he's usually naked in them. And so I was like, well, that's not appropriate in church, so we'll try to find one where he's wearing a crown or something. Uh, so he, he slayed Goliath, right, when he was young. This is before he even became king. There was this great tall man, a giant, literally, not just like 
not me giant, but even three feet taller than I am. And he challenged the Jewish people and no one would fight him. And so this little guy, David, he says, I, well, God will surely let me kill this giant because he promised he'd protect us. And so David, even though he wasn't a warrior, he was just a, he was just a shepherd. He comes out and he slays Goliath. He conquered the surrounding people of Israel. He kept the kingdom united. He's not just some guy named David. This is, this is King David. So when they say Joseph, he's, he's in the lineage of King David. Again, that holds a lot of weight as well. So Gabriel sent to Mary a virgin betrothed to Joseph in Nazareth, and he says in verse 28, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. O favored one. I know some of you grew up uh, maybe in a more Catholic background or even grew up Catholic, and you would hear this, this phrase, Hail Mary, full of grace. Right? The, yes, some of you are even finishing it now. Uh, that comes from this passage here in Luke 128. Because uh, favored one literally translates to grace-filled. Favored one, you're someone who's filled with grace. Filled with grace. Grace-filled. So when they translated it from Greek to Latin, and then Latin to English, it translated full of grace. And when they were translating the King James, so for the most part, they were pulling from the Latin, which was about 800 years after translated into Latin from the Greek. So that's why we have Hail Mary full of grace. Does that make sense? Grace-filled. So favored one. Uh, And I love, I love the greeting from Gabriel because basically he just says, howdy. I'm sure that's what he did. Howdy. Howdy, Mary. Uh, Can you guys say howdy? Howdy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, the favorite, old favorite one, the Lord is with you. We know that Mary is a very smart woman. She's wise beyond her years because immediately we learn in verse 29 that she is, she is concerned. It says she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Okay. Um, the way that I liken this, this concept is like uh, for those of you who are on social media and there's a, there's a man, if you're a woman especially, who reaches out to you and just says, hey. You have to discern, right, what kind of greeting. this. It seems innocuous, right? It seems like it's not dangerous. It's just one word. It's just hello. But you have to discern what kind of greeting this might be. When an angel comes to you and begins to talk to you, he's not there just to say hi. Just as we know in today's world, when a man talks to you, most of the time, he's not there just to say hi. And so Mary, she's like, what kind of greeting is this? It, it's, it's really cool. So I, I, I'm, I'm a Greek. I'm a nerd, okay? I get it, all right? I used to be a jock, and now I'm a nerd. You transition when you get older. That's what happens. Uh, but there's this word picture of Mary's mind being puzzled and upset. Puzzled and upset, which is basically what goes through a woman's mind every time a man brings up that he needs a new toy, right? I need this new race car, right? I need this new engine, right? I need, I need these, these new things. I want my race car to be faster. It's puzzled 
and angry. All right, uh, I, I, I know that you want me to build that back deck for the job, but it would be so much faster if I got a new table saw, right? Uh, yes, our lawnmower needs worked, uh, but I need to, maybe we should think about just getting a new lawnmower so that it'll go faster, right? All the things that create this, this feeling uh, within our wives, especially because everything for men is about being more efficient. Get the job done. Get it done in one day, six months from now. But we'll do it very quickly when we do it, all right? So Gabriel, the angel speaks. And the Virgin Mary, she's puzzled and upset by his greeting. And this has happened to me a lot of times in my life when I, when I say hi to someone, especially as a pastor, right? When I show up at your door and you go, you open the door and you weren't expecting me. What, what are you doing here, pastor? <laughs> I wasn't... Let me go turn off the TV before you come in, right? I don't know. I don't want you to be, a, I don't want you to see what I was watching, whatever it is. Uh, so that's, that's the situation right here. Mary was not expecting an angel to come to her door and greet her. This was very uh, confusing and scary. Uh, so, uh, but it says that Mary doesn't say anything to the angel, but the angel can tell that she needs some reassuring, that he has the best of intentions. So in verse 30, it says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And again, if, if you're new to church, if you're new to this whole Bible thing, uh, Jacob isn't just some dude either. Jacob, uh, he actually physically wrestled with God. He wanted the blessing so bad from God that he said, I am not letting you leave this place until you bless me. So he physically wrestles with God, and then God changes his name to Israel. Now, Israel is now a, a physical place, right? You can fly to Israel, the kingdom of Israel. So uh, it didn't start with Jacob. He's not the, the patriarch. He's not the, the beginning, but he's pretty close to the beginning of the story. So when he says that you, he will reign over the kingdom of Jacob, he's talking about all of Israel, the nation of Israel. Gabriel tells the Virgin Mary that God favors you. So you are going to have a son. God is going to be his father, and your son is going to be the king of Israel forever. And again, Mary is wise beyond her years uh, because that there's a lot of questions to be asked, right? Uh, how are you going to make this happen? You know, like, uh, how, how do you know all this? Uh, you know, can, 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 we, can you give me some backstory? Is there something else that I need to know? Because there seems to be a lot of unanswered questions, but she gets right to the point, and she asks the most pertinent question in asking, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How will I give birth to a son because I am a virgin? Which is a valid question, right? If God told Catherine, my lovely wife, that she would uh, get pregnant, her first question would be, how could this be because I don't have fallopian tubes? That's an honest question. It's physically impossible for this to happen. We know how babies are made. Uh, this is an honest question, and this is not a lack of faith, but an understanding of simple biology, in order for two people to have a baby, they have to make a baby. Right? Some of you are like, I don't think so. I think, 
no, that's not how this works. It's 2022, but that's still the truth. It's still fact. Uh, God, uh, God isn't the God of doing simple things. So the angel Gabriel has to do a little bit more explaining. Yes, you are a virgin, uh, but he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, uh, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. All right, that explains it. Well, not really. There's still a lot of unanswered questions, uh, but this is what the Lord told us through the prophet Isaiah. Put those, got those verses up there if you want to look them up later. Just to, just, again, I, I never want you to take this as the word of Brian. I, I, I need you to understand that my deepest call is to, for you to believe and trust in the word of God. So if I ever say anything that is out of line with the word of God, I want you to call me on it, you know, probably not in the middle of service unless it's deeply heretical, but I want you to, to have Scripture, to know Scripture in your hands, and so we can talk about it later. Okay, this is what it says. This is Isaiah. This is from the prophet Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then again, in Isaiah chapter 9, says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And I'm sure that Mary, at around the age of, I don't know, 14 or 15, She's putting all this together in her mind. Yes, this makes sense. I know the prophet Isaiah, or, or maybe not. Uh, when I was 14 or 15, I didn't really have a good head on my shoulders. Anybody else kind of lost when they were a teenager? Come on, be honest, people. You were lost when you were a teenager, it, it, especially if you were a teenage girl and God came and told you this. You wouldn't be like, of course, that makes sense because Isaiah, prom he told us this would happen and, and now I am the virgin. That, 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 makes, that makes total sense, uh, right? I, I was busy asking questions like, uh, how do I spell the word llama, right? Is there, or rhythm, right? What, where does the H, how many H's are there? Where does the H go. Rhythm is a really tricky word if you haven't spelled it before. If you're spelling it right now in your mind, you're probably spelling it wrong. Uh, it's, there's a R and then there's an H. Y, I don't, there's a Y and then another, there's a T. And a, it seems like way too many consonants, right? There, there's, this doesn't make any sense. But when I was a teenager, that's the type of stuff that I was thinking about. And, and here's Mary in this hick town ga in Galilee called Nazareth. And an angel of the Lord tells her that she has found so much favor that she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit as the Shekinah glory of God comes down upon her. And she's going to give birth to the Son of God because nothing is impossible with God. Who on earth could she tell this to? No one. no one. Yeah, no one is the right answer. Who would believe her? Who would believe her? She is literally going to be put to death because she's betrothed to Joseph, who's a good Jewish man, and he expects her to be a virgin when they get married. And if she's pregnant, 
that's a pretty good sign that she's not a virgin. Maybe even the best sign. Like you could say, no, I'm a virgin. I just, it just happened. It was God. Uh, there's literally uh, been in the history of man, this has only happened one time. This is the first time this is happening. When a woman has birthed a child and had not lain with a man, uh, it, is, uh, it happened every other time in the history of mankind because the woman is no longer a virgin. Virgins do not bear children. <laughs> yeah, dad, she, she's going to have to go back to her family, who she still lives with at this time. Who is she going to tell? This wasn't the life that Mary had in mind. So when she wondered what kind of greeting that Gabriel was going to give her, I think this was kind of the one that she was afraid of. You're going to call me to something much more drastic than I had imagined. You know, today we, we might have dreams of going to college or becoming the CEO of Instagram, right? This, whatever it is that we have these big dreams of fulfilling and accomplishing, but this baby that she was about to be impregnated with would lead to her certain death or at least banishment. And it was Nazareth. <laughs> and just like in today's world, I, I literally have friends that claim that their conception was immaculate. <laughs> to this day. We're not children. We know that that's not how this happens. Um, also, she's, she's very young. And it is very difficult to hide a pregnancy when you're very young and very small. This is the drama that we have set up here on our journey to the manger. And we're only 11 verses in. I'm going to call the worship team back up. But I want you to think this week, I want you to ask the question, what would you do? Some of you remember what it was like to be a teenage girl some of you have teenage girls. Some of you have had teenage girls. And I want you to be pondering the question, you're the teenage girl's mother or the grandma, and she comes to you and tells you this story. How do you respond? You're the neighbor down the street that hears that Mary is pregnant. She claims it's God's baby. What do you believe? I don't know what I would do. If I was Joseph, I don't know what I would do. I'd be... I'd be confused and angry. But our journey to the manger begins here. Uh, a befuddled teenage girl who has found favor by God and her reward is certain death by becoming impregnated. Joseph, a godly Jewish man who wants nothing more than a peaceful life with his young bride-to-be. He's about to get some news that he didn't expect either. And a little town in Nazareth where Jesus will grow up. All right, let's pray. Father, you make the impossible happen. You are the God of the impossible, and we're so thankful that you do that. How many times in my life did I say, God, there's no way that you can make this work? And you always do. So God, on our journey to the manger, help us to put ourselves back there in that time. Help us to feel 
what they felt, to think like they thought. But God, the whole time believing that you will make it work. (laughs) You always do. And all God's people said, amen.